Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. And this is episode six. Today we're reviewing My Hero Academia, season four, episode 25, His Start, which is the season finale. And as always, there will be spoilers throughout the episode, so you've been warned. So, season finale... End of season four. <laughs> Which is because it's usually 26 episodes in a season, right? It depends. It can be 25 or 26, mm, I feel okay. like. But yeah, this is this is an intense one. Why don't you start us off with the synopsis for the episode? Sure. Um, so I'm pulling this from Wikipedia because TV Tropes did have a synopsis this time, but I think it kind of delved into spoilers for down the road or um, probably spoilers from the manga. So I think Wikipedia is a little more concise and not as detailed, um, although still very detailed. So again, this is his start, which is episode 25 of the fourth season of My Hero and the 88th episode overall. Even though he's a new number one hero, Endeavor fought the talking Nomu as hard as he could. Meanwhile, Hawks uses the feathers on his wings to keep the bystanders out of trouble. The Nomu strikes Endeavor's left side of his face, destroying his eye. Without All Might as the symbol of peace, people everywhere are running in panic, just like the Kamino incident three months ago. But even with that scar on his face, Endeavor pushes himself beyond the limit of his flames and defeats the intelligent Nomu. The episode ends with the city celebrating Endeavor's victory. During the post-credits scene, Midoriya has a mysterious vision where he encounters a figure, their hands meet, and Midoriya suddenly awakens. Man, let me just say, before we even talk about what we what we thought of this episode, there's so much to unpack here. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a great season finale, but, like, left us with so many questions, and on, like, two, not one, but two huge cliffhangers. Um, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll kind of work our way through the episode, um, maybe chronologically, so that we can keep our thoughts a little more organized. But just to start off, what are your brief but overall thoughts on the season finale um to keep it like to one word like you said it was very intense um you really get to see endeavor shine in this one and like i think throughout the episode you kind of develop what your feelings are towards um the character where at first like me i was obviously very hesitant and the episode wants you to feel hesitant of Endeavor becoming the number one hero but then you sort of see his change of face as the episode goes on where you almost find like you find yourself rooting for him in the end so I really appreciate that this episode gives Endeavor although it's a pretty brief character arc it's a very satisfying one in the end yeah uh, I I agree that that this really changes your perspective on Endeavor. But overall, the the episode was fantastic. Beautifully drawn. Um, beautifully, like, put together in terms of, you know, the action balanced with some of the backstory, balanced with some of the other characters and what they're doing in these moments. Um, it's just, it's such a, a great episode for Endeavor. Like, it's just... If, if there's one episode, I guess, that defines this character at this point, it really is this episode, and it, it was it was fantastic. And another thing I want to say is that 
you know, this is called My Hero Academia, and you expect the series to be all about the students who are learning to become heroes. But what's interesting is that in this case, we're only focused on like one pro hero this whole time, which just shows the strength of this show and how it develops characters, not only like the main characters like Midoriya or Bakugo or any of the other students, but it has enough compelling characters where you can focus on each of them and really get a, a nice juicy story out of out of each person. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Like, I know that All Might is, like, the perfect character. Like, he's untainted. He's wonderful. Like, he just, you know, happened to get his gut punch, and now he lost his powers. Um, but you're right. Like, this show could easily be all about the students, and they have these perfect role models and these people who, like, have got it all together that they look up to and strive to be like. But they, it shows that even the people who seemingly have it all together don't. Even when you reach that point of number one hero, you still have shit that you have to work through and nobody's going to have it all figured out. Again, like even though All Might was perfect, he had this 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 uh, physical issue he had to work through and he never really overcame it. He, it led him to retirement. He passed on um, one for all and and now he's just teaching. But not to say that's a discount his character. He's still a fantastic character, like the most pure character in all of anime, I feel like. Um but yeah, that, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. And I would say like he's obviously very deserving of that number one spot up until when he retired, because I think you and I have discussed this before. Like his really his only flaw is that he can't physically stay strong for a long period of time. Yeah, which isn't even a flaw, like an innate flaw. It's one that unfortunately he got because of his one fight with. Um, all for one. So it's it's almost like if you dis if you if you disregard that, he's flawless. <laughs> right. And so obviously that's why we hold All Might to such a high standard against these other superheroes. And I think that's where this show really excels is like you want these other heroes to meet that standard, but they have their own personal demons that they really have to fight. Um, which is exemplified, again, with this episode that's focused on Endeavor, who is competing for that one, or not. Like, he is in that number one spot, but now he wants the right to earn that spot. Yeah. So let's let's kind of go through the episode again chronologically and, and kind of share our thoughts on each of the major plot points. So the episode starts off with um, Todoroki's sister and brother. I think I only called the brother's name, which is Natsu. Uh, the sister's name was... Fuyumi. Okay, so Fuyumi and Natsu are, are at the hospital or whatever facility that their mom is at, you know, checking up on her, and she mentions that she's so happy because she's hearing from Todoroki, um, which is great because they're starting to develop that relationship that, that fell apart when she burned his face. Um, and Natsu brings up the fact that Endeavor is now the number one hero, which is kind of taboo still around their mom. And it's it's interesting that they set Natsu up to, to basically show that he on the surface does not care about Endeavor that he, he mentions that he, he thinks that Endeavor just wants to leave his family behind and just wants to be the number one hero without any ties. Um, and the, you know, the first person to tell him that he's wrong, the first person to really tell us as an audience directly that we are wrong about our, our current thoughts of Endeavor based on what we've seen is his wife that he screwed over. 
and that he he drove to madness. I mean, that's so interesting, right? That the one person you think would certainly be against Endeavor is actually the person who flat out tells the audience you are wrong in the way that you you see him. There's so much more to that story. She mentions the flowers and that, you know, he he knew that that were that those were her favorite and that he's been visiting although not seeing her directly per the advice of the doctors because it might not be a good time still. Um, he's clearly trying to redeem himself and she's the first one to see that um, even faster than Todoroki when he's already approached him and said, you know, I want to make you proud. And in before parallels with Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like anything that Endeavor does in these past couple episodes, they're just very reminiscent of like Batman's own story where the way I looked at this beginning scene is you know in the batman mythos he kind of cuts off his own family um tries to keep like his butler alfred distant and dick grayson who becomes robin he like he doesn't want um, robin to really become involved with the kind of vigilante stuff that batman's doing and you see a lot of that here with endeavor where he like you said he kind of not disowns his family but keeps them at a distance um and it just harkens back to the lesson of what are the sacrifices that you have to make to be a hero, right? Um, it's kind of like the brighter the picture, the darker the negative. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a key point that we have to really focus on in seeing what Endeavor's character arc is in this story. Yeah, and I think of a major th- theme throughout this this episode, and I think throughout this first major arc of Endeavor, is that, again, he he's obsessed with achieving this goal of being the number one hero, of surpassing All Might. He achieves it, maybe not in the way that he wanted to, and he realizes pretty quickly that it's not fulfilling. It's not what brings him happiness. Like, he, he clearly does not feel satisfied, he does not feel fulfilled, and he probably expected that he would. Like, once I get this goal, once I obtain this lifelong dream of mine, I will be perfect. But he clearly is not, and he's realizing that what could have brought him true happiness was, you know, the connections and, and the, the bonds he has with his family and doing the right thing. And he's trying to redeem himself now. And I think that plays both within his personal life and within being a hero, thinking how can I possibly be the number one hero if I don't even have my shit together with my family? If my own family doesn't respect me, there's no way the rest of the world will, will respect me. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's the, the vibe that I was getting when, you know, as, as he's realizing, coming to this realization that he's not fulfilled. So then after this... Um, the Nomu shows up, obviously, and, and we, we pan to the fight between Endeavor, the Nomu, and Hawks. And one thing I want to point out, which, like, this always annoys me with any kind of superhero um, film or TV show, is all the collateral damage that's going on throughout the city. Because uh, you see, I think it's Endeavor who uses, like, his whip-like power and kind of just shreds that skyscraper to pieces. It's like, and I know that Hawks had saved a majority of the people in that building using his quirk, but like, man, when are, when is the city or like law enforcement going to hold these heroes accountable for all the destruction that they make? Yeah, and now they're funneling so much like infinite money to UA to train more heroes where they can build facilities like it's nothing. Yeah, like this, this 
scene reminded me of Man of Steel, if you've watched that. Like, there's a battle at the end where Superman and, I think it was General Zod, like, they just destroy Metropolis's downtown area, and it's like, that that's excessive. Um, it makes you think, okay, maybe heroes aren't always that great, but, yeah. that, like, that, that's my only qualm with this episode, episode so far. Yeah. Well, uh, what I really liked about this part was that the first thing that, like, Hawks comments on is, oh, Endeavor, you can fly. And he's like, no, I can't fly. I'm just not following. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> okay, like, that's one way to look at it, I guess. He's clearly using his fire abilities as some sort of, like, propulsion system to keep him floating in the air. But I just love how he's so quick to, to correct Hawks, like... He just can't let him have one. He's like, no, I'm not falling, or I'm not, I'm not flying. I'm just not falling. It's <laughs> like, almost okay. like a, like dad humor. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so then we we see the the first major part or a couple of major parts of um, this fight with the Nomu, and throughout it we see Hawks and Endeavor work really great together. So not only are their personalities very complementary. Um, but their powers are also extremely complementary. And, and at one point, Hawks mentions that he's not the type to um, go up against uh, strong types. Or what did he say? He said something like, um, I think yeah, I like, in my notes. Either like strength or power types. Yeah, power types. Um, which Endeavor clearly is the opposite of that. He, he is a power type and he can go up against power types. Um, but Endeavor also is not uh, perceptive enough to be able to save people around him. And it probably doesn't have the the time to really think about that, given he's you know, f- you know, thwarting off Nomu to the point of almost to near death. Um, so he's got Hawks on on the other end of the spectrum where he can take care of those more perceptive things and, and more of the assisting and supporting. Um, because again, like Hawks doesn't have the physical strength that Endeavor has. So I liked seeing throughout the whole episode them complement each other when it comes to their powers, and clearly they are a great duo. Um, and, and hopefully they'll, we'll see more of them in the future. And then you see those discount heroes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, one of them looked like the kid from the last episode with the weird-shaped face that goes up to Hawks. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah, it's good that they were there for an assist. Yeah. But this is all about Hawks and Endeavor, obviously. And then as we, uh, as we see more of the fight, Endeavor mentions that he first wants to capture the Nomu to question it because he sees that it has some level of intelligence. So this shows that Endeavor is not just only about brute force. Like, he is actually thinking, you know, from all perspectives about what is the best course of action as the number one hero, which is very different than, say, like Bakugo, who just straight up wants to, you know, win and doesn't care by what means and doesn't really care about alternate options, or alternate options, but alternatives. Um, He just wants to have victory over his opponent. So it shows that Endeavor is serious about being number one because he realizes it's not just about defeating and, and being victorious, but it's also about, you know, what is the best course of action that may not be so obvious. And then we learn that his weakness is overheating, um, which is why he wanted to make Todoroki uh, with with his his wife. And, and I think they hinted on that a little bit at the beginning of the this, this show, where they mentioned that he married her only for the, the sole purpose of getting a, having a child with those combined powers. Yeah, that's what I wrote here is like, did he and his wife bear Todoroki out of practicality or out of love and it I think it's very clear by the statement that he meant is like or the statement that he makes and this is like which is the reason why and then you see the 
seen cut to Todoroki, right? Yeah. And I think they, they played on that. They established that pretty early on during the uh, the tournament, the sports festival or whatever, where you see kind of Todoroki's angst against his, his dad. And he says, like, my, my parents didn't get married for love. They got, like, he sought out his mom because of her powers and wanted to basically make this perfect combination child. But now we understand more of the why because the weakness is overheating. I, I thought, because I don't think they mentioned that in the sports festival, we could have over, uh, uh, overlooked it as we were watching those episodes, but I don't remember it explicitly being stated that his weakness is overheating and therefore the ice powers are a perfect complement to balance out that. Yeah, I think this is the first time they mentioned it here. I know they mentioned in the sports festival that his ice powers could freeze him if, it, if he used it too long, I think. So that was one thing, but now we, we understand the full picture. It's not just to have the picture we have, we have that full scope. So I thought that was, was an interesting little tidbit from, from his past. So as the fight continues, um, it's very clear that Endeavor knows he's at a disadvantage against the Nomu, but he keeps at it. I think he realizes that this is his chance to prove that he's number one um, and that he can become the symbol because he has that flashback to moments ago when he was at the billboard chart event or whatever and says just watch me um he he's this is his opportunity to to become the the new symbol i'd rather call it a new symbol than like the symbol because i think mm-hmm. he will forever be a different symbol than all might i don't i don't think anyone could possibly be a similar symbol maybe except for midoriya yeah and you hear his son when he and his uh the son and his sister are in the taxi um and the son is kind of chastising endeavor saying like oh you can't be like all might but you can see in the footage when it goes back to endeavor which is i want to point out like this is the first time that you see endeavor without the flames on his face right and it's like his weakened state i think so um so that was that was interesting in itself but like you said Endeavor is very stubborn when it comes to whatever goal that he's trying to reach. Um, and you also pointed this out, the coincidence that Endeavor's eye that gets injured is on his left side of his face, which is similar to uh, Todoroki's burned eye, right? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I'm like, I was looking at it when we watching it the second time, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. That's the same eye, mm-hmm. karma. Right. It's just um, karma coming back to, to haunt him in this case. And I think that is where um, you kind of see uh, Endeavor's change of face. Yeah. Like, right? That This is where he, see, like, he gets that revelation or that epiphany that, okay, maybe, like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm stubborn with my goal in being the number one hero, but maybe I have to approach it a different way. Yeah. And going back to what you mentioned about um, his kids uh, watching the fight in, in the taxi and, like, freaking out, and, and Natsu again says, like, he complains about him again and, and has his doubts, but on his face, is a, his face is telling a totally different story, right? Like, he's saying these things, like, he doubts him, but... And maybe he doesn't quite care about his father, but his face is clearly showing that, yes, he deep down inside does care about his his dad and he's very concerned about him. And I, I think that that was great because um, for all three of the kids, although I don't know where the fourth kid is with the red hair, 
I don't remember this. I don't think we have we even met that fourth kid because they show the little flashbacks and there's the the two older siblings plus the red haired kid and then you've got Todoroki um, like on the side or whatever. But uh, it's it's great to see all th- at least all three of the four kids showing extreme concern for their dad who they you know in some ways resent and, and don't trust. Another thing I wanted to point out um, at this point in the episode is when you see the Nomu deal like the crushing blow to Endeavor, I thought he died. Like, I thought he legit died. I think that's what they set it up to be. So you could see Todoroki... I mean, they, they panned to that awesome shot of Todoroki's face, and mm-hmm. he's just, like, totally distressed. I think that they were trying to, to make you believe that in that moment. Oh, yeah, like, in that moment, I was like, holy shit, Endeavor's dead. Like, what what is the Society of Heroes going to do? But then I, I remember, like, thinking in the back of my head, oh, wait, Endeavor's in the movie. <laughs> yeah, so, spoilers. Yeah, the like, movie. spoiler there, but since... What was the heroes? What was it called Heroes Rising? Was it two heroes? Or Was that the first one? The first one's two heroes. Okay, yeah, and Heroes Rising, like you see Endeavor, and that movie takes place supposedly way after these events. Um, so I was in total shock at first, but then that thought came to me in my head. I was like, okay, never mind, he'll be fine. That reminds yeah. me of when Best Genus seemingly died in the All for One fight in Camino, mm-hmm. but then like at the end when they were cleaning everything up, they were like, oh, he's going to the hospital or something. I'm like, oh, so I guess he was alive the whole time. Or even the guy that Gentle tried to save off of that scaffolding. Oh, yeah, and, and like, you got think, crushed. Like, yeah. yeah, but then they say, oh, he, he's in critical condition, but he'll be fine. Yeah, so. which is, so I personally did not think, you know, thinking about halfway through the season, that um, Night Eye, Sir Night Eye, was gonna die because I'm like, well, here, here are like multiple situations where you think someone's gonna die and they didn't, and then they, they he actually did die, and I'm like, oh god, people do die in the show, mm-hmm. so that was interesting. Um, as as the fight uh, in the middle of the fight, there is a moment where the reporter mentions that this is ju- the seemingly is just like Camino and the fight between All Might and All for One and I thought that was a very very interesting parallel because in that fight that's the fight where society loses their symbol that's mm-hmm. his final fight All Might's final fight and that's his re- you know when he retires I would say that's his retirement <laughs> yeah and the reporter also mentions which I think was a key line like, this is what it means to have no symbol like they had lost all hope yeah. At that point, but go on. And, and so that fight at Camino with All Might and, and All for One is the, the disappearance of a symbol. And at the end of this episode, it's established that this fight between the Nomu and Endeavor is the, I wouldn't say reestablishing of a hero, or sorry, of a symbol, because as I mentioned earlier, like, I don't feel like they're the same symbol, but the society is getting a symbol like again. Like the emergence of a new symbol. Yeah, of a mm. new symbol. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So I thought that was a very, very interesting parallel, because they didn't have to mention Camino, but the fact that they specifically mentioned, like, this feels just like the, the Camino fight three months ago, which is crazy that it was only three months prior. I think she said mm-hmm. three months, yeah, right? Yes, it was three months. I'm like, man. But when you think about time in this show, we're four seasons in, and they're only now hitting, like, November. They're still in, like, their first or second semester of school. So I'm like, this is going to be a long-ass show. Mm. But if it keeps going at this rate with this great quality, I'm fine. <laughs> um, so then... After the reporter says that this feels like the Camino fight, we have that fan who um, reappears, the pink-haired kid, and defends his idol. Um, you know, after we saw him in the last episode, kind of reject 
endeavor because he was acting different than than what he normally how he normally acts um here he is you know yelling at the reporter telling everyone to believe he's clearly not gone he's still fighting um you just have to believe in him and he will become the symbol essentially is the message he was sharing so i thought that was really interesting as well and that whole point reminded me of a thing that all might said in i think it was season one when he's facing off against the the first Nomu that was spotted, um, where All Might says a hero can always break out of a tough spot, and that's what that's exactly what Endeavor's doing here, um, and I think that can go both literally and metaphorically, where uh, literally Endeavor is using like a, almost a hundred percent of his power to defeat this Nomu um, to break out of that tough tough spot, and metaphorically. Like I said, this is the point where he reaches the epiphany of maybe his MO before his modus operandi before isn't working, and he really needs to tap into the next aspect of what it means to be a hero, which what I thought in this case was him not just fighting for himself and trying to become the number one hero, but also recognizing that he has to fight for others and really be cognizant of that fact um, in order to be like a true hero and a true symbol for um, that society. Yeah, and we see that moment where he tells Todoroki at the, the flashback where he tells him that, you know, I want to be a good father and I want to make you proud, which I'm sure is like completely out of his character, at least in Todoroki's eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that he has to do in order to be the, the person he's he needs to be for, for his family and for society. Right. So it's him becoming less selfish and becoming more selfless. Yeah. And I, I at first, um, the first time we watched this, I was thinking, you know, what, what really prompted him to have this change of heart? But then I realized, oh, yeah, if we go back to, um, you know, people throughout the last half of the season kind of saying, like, you know, is he really the number one hero? Is he the next symbol? Like people are doubting him and he's realizing that that doubt comes from his behaviors that then it makes more sense to me as to why he's looking for this redemption. And, and I, I don't feel that it's purely self-serving. I, I think that that's something too that, um, that I was worried about as we were learning more about Endeavor, that he's only trying to reconcile with his family and reaching out to All Might for guidance because it's, you know, self-serving and, and it's, you know, he just wants to make sure that he is viewed as number one, but he actually, actually believes it and feels it inside that mm-hmm. he needs to do these things because it's, it's right. Not versus like, it's just what he needs to do to achieve his goals. Yeah. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead right now, Um, But I also wanted to point out at this point in time, like the similarities between uh, the Nomo's objective and what Endeavor's objectives used to be, right? Because I think they mentioned it earlier in the episode, um, the Nomo only recognizes who he thinks is the strongest um, when it comes to battling the heroes, which is much like Endeavor's obsession with strength and using his strength to take that number one hero spot. Um, but again, in this battle, Endeavor learns that it's not always about strength and it's, it's about, um, there are other aspects of being a hero that make you a hero, right? And I think one key line, which again, this works both literally and metaphoric, um, yeah, literally and figuratively is he tells the gnome will be put to rest, which is kind of like him putting his own demons to rest, um, so that he can fully embrace um, 
the the number one hero spot. Yeah, I like that he when he threw the Nomu up into the air that when he flew him up into the air, if you will, um, that he said, you know, I'm going to destroy you like like I'm basically destroying my past, what I could have been um, or I could have become if I continue down that path. So that's an, a, a perfect and, and very obvious symbolism to his start. Um, slightly before this, I do want to mention this as well, um, slightly before he destroys the Nomun and says these things, Hawks reveals that in the past and possibly even now he admired mm-hmm. um, Endeavor for his his desire and his drive to obtain his goal. He said that while others said they wanted to be like All Might, they didn't actually take the steps to try and do that. They just admired him from afar versus Endeavor who actually took the steps and, you know, achieved his goal. And, and to Hawks, who grew, you know, growing up had everything in front of him, was able to achieve all his goals, no problem. Because I think Pre- President Mike, when he was kind of introducing Hawk, said that he's the youngest hero, and by age 18 he did this, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, all these achievements come so naturally to him because he's very talented. He admires Endeavor for the efforts that he needed, he had to put in to obtain his goals, and the, the fact that he was not wavered in doing that. Um, and, and as I talk through this, one of the things I, I find interesting, too, is that even though Endeavor acts bitter towards All Might um, for, for really no reason, uh, All Might is clearly his his mentor. You know, he mm-hmm. reaches out to him. You know, how, what does it mean to become the symbol? He, he looks up to him as, you know, the, the spitting image of, of success and power and victory. Um, so even though he acts like you know, he, he doesn't care about All Might and he just wants to, you know, be better than him. I think truly he sees All Might as, as his role model. One thing I wanted to ask is what what was Endeavor doing in that flashback? You, know, you see him, like, I think you see All Might in the background and everyone's, like, cheering him for whatever. Oh, when he's he got, like, did. the board and the stones yeah. or whatever? I, th- I don't know. I, I think that was supposed to be some sort of, like, crevice in front of them. Like... I don't know, like maybe some like a, like a gap or something, and maybe he was building a bridge to cross over and reach All Might. That's what is, I thought. Yeah, is but that I, a, like a parallel, another parallel, like oh, I'm trying to get to get to All Might's level. Yeah, like I, and then he like Hawk says something like, "Why are you so awkward?" or something, and like I didn't understand what he was saying about that. Um, so my guess is that maybe there was a, a, a literal gap in the ground that that, you know, everyone else was not trying to cross and then Endeavor actually mm, made yeah. the bridge to cross it. But I still don't understand the whole awkward thing, um, even after watching the episode twice. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to figure that one out. So we see the fight between Endeavor and the Nomu end um, with him fittingly saying plus ultra, even though he uh, admittedly hates that school motto. Um, and then they come flying to the ground, and after the cloud of dust clears, we see Endeavor standing with his fists in the air, very similar to All Might standing with his fists in the air after he defeats All for One. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone cheers, and the reporter says, this is a sign of his victory. No, his start. Um, so even the reporter who doubted him moments ago now realizes that this is not just him winning, but it's him becoming the symbol that everyone needs. Um, so I thought that that was a great way to end the episode besides the post credit scene was just showing us that it was truly his start. Yeah, before we get into the post credit scene, I wanted to point out that Mid- Midoriya has a, 
has a dialogue at the end of this where he says heroes cannot stop moving forward and you see that again with what Endeavor does here he moves forward from his his previous way of it's, I wouldn't say his previous way of life, but like again, moving from how he used to operate to the way he needs to operate now if he wants to become the symbol. But I think you hear Midoriya say something like, but who will carry on All Might's will? Saying that, okay, it's good that Endeavor is the symbol now, but I think this is a, uh, an issue that's going to present itself constantly in the future. Like, who is going to be the next symbol? Um, and you see the camera focus on both Bakugo and Midoriya at this point. And just to kind of address something that you said earlier, um, where I think you, you said something about like Endeavor obviously is, is very stubborn in his, his pursuit of being, a, of being the greatest hero. Yeah. Would you say that that's also the case with Bakugo? And do you think because Bakugo has that same stubborn personality that he's also not going to um, reach the number one hero spot the way he wants to. So I've read up on on theories and thoughts um, around people basically calling Midoriya and Bakugo and All Might and, and Endeavor um, parallels. Mm. But I don't necessarily see Bakugo as an Endeavor. Um and the reason is, and, and I'm not the best at articulating this, but when you think about All Might and Endeavor, they didn't know each other growing up. They don't have a certain bond. They barely know each other more than in a professional sense, right? Um, and Endeavor, they're not rivals to each other. It's more like Endeavor, All Might is the rival to Endeavor. But it, really, you can't even call them rivals because All Might doesn't care about Endeavor in that way. He's just another co-worker at the end of the day um and and what endeavor does really doesn't have any effect on all might um on the flip side endeavor as i mentioned earlier i, I think secretly or in, in an unspoken way looks up to all might and sees him as a mentor of sorts um as a role model but then when you think about midori and bakugo they're very different in the sense that, yes, they did grow up with each other. They do know each other um, in a certain way, unlike anybody else in Class 1A. And in in this sense, um, Midoriya is actually the one that looks up to Bakugo because of his strength and his abilities, but Midoriya is the one that will actually um, outshine Bakugo in the end, as we've been told many times by the older Midoriya talking to us in the beginning of the episode. Mm -hmm. um, and so at the end of the day, you can have All Might without Endeavor but you cannot have Midoriya without Bakugo, and you can't have Bakugo without Midoriya. Yeah, they're a dyad in the force. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that on the surface, you can compare All Might and Midoriya and Bakugo and Endeavor, but there's so much more there, um, and what Endeavor and Bakugo represent are two very different things. Um, and the way they're getting there, their, their paths are completely different. Um, the, the person that they're supposed to be connected to, you know, either Midoriya or All Might, that relationship is entirely different. So yeah, I, I'd say that they have very strong similarities, but I would not say that Bakugo is the next Endeavor. If anything, we all know that Midoriya is probably the next All Might, um, but that doesn't mean he necessarily has to have an Endeavor type as his, you know, other half 
um, Bakugo being his other half is, is very, he's his other half in a very different sense. Um, plus they all, they almost have like a, a subset third, you know, person in their, their power struggle, which is Todoroki. I think less so, but you can put him up there as like a big third person, a big third person, like a big three, almost like a, a big two with a smaller third. Although Todoroki is very, very strong. No, you make a very good point. Um, and I think to go on top of that, it seems like these three, or this trio, kind of like their own big three, are not really pitting themselves against each other, but really encouraging each other um, to reach that spot. And whoever whoever that may be, spoilers, it might be Midoriya in the end. Um, but you're right, there is a there is a difference in how the students are approaching the concept of being the number one hero versus what Endeavor has been doing to reach this spot. Yeah, and I think in the sports festival arc, you can easily equate Bakugo with Endeavor based on what we knew about him at that point. But there's a lot of character development that Bakugo goes through from that point on uh, that shows that there's so much more there than just a, a, a secondary Endeavor. Um, and again, as I said earlier, like I'm not the best at articulating this, and I'm kind of just you know thinking through it. Um, right now, but but that's how I feel about you know the comparison between Bakugo and Endeavor. I think they're similar, but they are certainly not the same. Mm. And we'll have to wait another year or so to see that story. Yeah, <laughs> my God. Well, that, that yeah, that brings us to the end of the episode where we get not one but two cliffhangers, and I um, hate cliffhangers. I, I love them. Mm. <laughs> I love them for the purpose of the story and wanting to draw you in and and make you 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 know want to watch more. I, I get their point, but I'm very impatient and I don't want to wait. And I hate 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 them so much. Uh, but these are great cliffhangers. So the the first one is again um, we see Endeavor win against the Nomu, and that's it. We don't get to see anything else. We don't get to see him become the symbol or or you know be reassured that he is now the symbol. And, and I'm excited, very, very excited to see that in the next season. It's, you know, now he's achieved not only his goal of becoming number one, but he's now also the symbol. How does he deal with that? Like, what, what does that responsibility mean to him? Or even how is how is his family going to respond to that, too? Yeah. And I think that his, his last obstacle to overcome is, you know receiving the approval or winning back the approval of his family. So I'm guessing that his arc will, will follow that much more closely, which I'm excited to see. So that's a, I would say of the three goals of becoming the number one hero, becoming the symbol and becoming a respectable father, the respectable father one is probably the hardest to overcome. Um, and then the other cliffhanger that we get is the post credit scene where uh, Midoriya has a dream, sees the previous successors mm-hmm. um, of One for All, and then sees these two guys um, who clearly are evil, and then he wakes up and the windows shatter and all that. I did find it interesting. It, really, my only thought about that scene, besides the fact that it's a cliffhanger and I can't, I can't handle it, um, is that... Midoriya is covered in like a fuzzy green and black aura from not only like neck down, but from his mouth down. 
And so, like, what does that mean? Like, why is his mouth specifically covered as well? My first thought is, is it some sort of sneak peek to a future costume of his or, you know, his hero outfit down the road? Um, but I, I have no idea. What I took from the post-credits scene um, is I interpreted those two characters that Midoriya is watching to be, like, all for one and uh, Shigaraki. Because I think in the first season, there, or maybe it was the second or third, you see a flashback of All for One interacting with Shigaraki where he's putting his hand um, on, I don't even remember his villain name, but puts his hand on Shigaraki in the same manner. Um, so I think it's just Midoriya like witnessing this event again in his dream. The way I took Midoriya's very ambiguous costume um i thought it was like oh is this midoriya becoming a villain in the sense where i think i brought up that point in a previous episode where he was looking at gentle criminal and thinking i could have ended up like this guy um so the way i interpreted it is like is midoriya fearing that he is going to become a villain um, while watching this memory of a villain, um, yeah, that's what that's what I thought. I yeah, you you bring up a good point about their hands intertwining. I took that more as like our fates are intertwined because I think you see all the successors of One for All on one side, and then you see these villains, but we know that one, All for One can pass quirks onto others. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was like on one side you've got all the heroes um, and then on the other side you're witnessing in the past you know what had happened to maybe somebody else down the line of, of all for ones. Um, and because they're intertwining hands that symbolism that the one for alls and the all for ones will always be in constant battle and will always have their fates intertwined. That was my takeaway from it. Um, I still don't know how that plays into his mouth being covered and him being covered head to toe. Not head to toe, but mouth to toe. Um, and that weird fuzziness. But that's that's about all I could really take away from that. So like a dyad in the force. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So that brings us to our final thoughts. Out of how many Flash Fire Fist Hell Spiders would you give this episode? <laughs> um, I would give this a 9 out of 10. Mm. What is it? Flash Fire Fist Hell, Hell Spiders? Spiders? Yeah. <laughs> what about you? I would say the same. About yeah, 9 out of 10. Um, just because Endeavor's storyline in this is, is compelling. And like it's a season finale... And it leaves you wanting more, so it gets that part of the job done. Yeah, it's a great season finale. Like, that, this was probably, in my opinion, this was the strongest episode of the season. Which I think leads us into the, the last thing, last part here that we want to talk about. And that's our, now that we're at the season finale, let's talk about our thoughts a little bit for the entire season, season four. Um... So what were, what were your thoughts on... Because it's really broken up into two and a half parts, if you think about it. You've got the Chisaki slash overhaul 
um, arc, whichever you, you refer him by. Um, and then you've got the, the school festival and then you've got the smaller, like three episode arc of Endeavor. So what were your thoughts? Yeah. Um, and I, I'm just thinking back to you, you and I watched, started watching my hero pretty late in the game compared to everyone else. I think we started like about a year ago. Right. Yeah. I think um, at the beginning of season three is when we actually started. Yeah. It. So, uh, what's it called? We pretty much binged all of those episodes for those three seasons. So this was the first proper season where we had to follow it um, every episode each week. And again, since there's technically like three arcs in this season, I felt like there was a lot more going on this season with those three arcs compared to what we've seen in the previous three seasons. Um, and again, starting with the Yakuza Arashiya Hasakai arc, um, which really set a dark tone for the season, then going into the school festival arc, which set a kind of lighter tone, but sets up a lot of precedence with um, Gentle Criminal's character and what he represents um, in the bigger scheme of villains. And then going into the the third arc, or I guess the epilogue, where you go back to the question of who is going to be the next hero while all of this madness is going on. Um, so there's a, a lot of escalation um, in that sense, where again, it, the first part is focusing on your traditional um, villain story. The second part is taking that story and flipping it to see it from a different perspective and then the third is focusing back on the issue of heroes at hand um so yeah there's a lot that i thought was going on this season but it just felt like every episode was was building on the next one and then again you have this climax where you i think end of season three like you said before you see the fall of a hero and then the end of this season four is where you see the rise of a hero um I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts on the season as a whole? Um, I I enjoyed it a lot, but I still I think between of the four seasons, I would have to say season three is probably my favorite. So season one and two was really all about them being students and and kind of getting their their start as you know uh, amateur heroes, I guess we can call them. And then it wasn't until probably end of season two slash beginning of season three where they started to embed a lot more serious, you know, concepts and topics into the show, um, which I think really upped the ante and, and made it way more interesting. Not that I didn't love season one and season two, I, I definitely enjoyed them, but adding those darker elements and more of those um, serious uh, concepts, I think just started to to really push the boundaries for, for the show. And season four continues that, definitely. Um, I, I just think that, so I enjoyed that they put a lot of content into one season versus dragging just one arc out. So if they had dragged the overhaul arc out for the whole season, that would have been way too much. Which I thought that arc, it felt like it went on for 40 episodes when it was only like 10. Yeah, um, that was a long one. But yeah, even, I still enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. And so thinking about that and then flipping to a totally different type of story and then into the Endeavor story, I think that I, I get what they were going for and I appreciated that they tried to give us a lot of content in one season, especially because it can be really difficult to wait a year in between seasons as 
me again being the impatient one I, I struggle with often. Um, but I don't think they did it totally flawlessly. Um, I, I think that there was, it still felt the it was weird that they only spent half a season on one arc, but it still felt dragged out. Um, and, and I think that that's probably the, the main flaw of, of this season. So overall, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I wouldn't say it's my top season, um, but it got the job done. It gave us a lot of content, um, a lot of stories, and I, I really enjoyed that we got to see a little bit more of Class 1A versus just seeing Midoriya. We got to see a little more of Kirishima. We got to see a little more of Jiro, um, and... Uh, I hope they continue that. I don't need to see a little more of every person in Class 1A, but for some of the more interesting characters like Momo or, um, what's the tape guy? Sero? Uh, Sero, yeah. Yeah, him or um, Aoyama. He's uh, a belly button guy, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so bad with these names sometimes. Um, it's, you know, if we, if we continue to see highlights of these characters so that they feel more important and they feel more valuable to the show, I'm okay with that. Um, and I like that they started to do that in this this season. I think it worked well. So yeah, o- overall enjoyed it a lot. I thought it, it ended on such a great note, even though it had some lows in the middle of the season. Um, but another another solid season for my hero in the books. Yep. So that is the end of My Hero Academia season four. Um, it'll be a long wait until season five. I think I, I read something like it was teased for middle of twenty twenty one. Um, which is, in my opinion, far too long. I wish it could be tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's a good thing, that, that I'm itching to see more of the show. It, it, it's, it's proof that it's a, a solid show that keeps drawing you in. People keep saying, like, this is the Naruto of this generation, right? Yeah, it's this generation's shonen. Um, and it's doing a great job, and I hope it continues. I'm okay with the pace that it's going at, because I'm fine. At, at where it is right now... I'm fine getting season after season after season. I don't want it to end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that that feeling continues. So we'll we'll hope for big things, some awesome things from season five. In the meantime, we still have other anime to talk about, too. Oh, yes. So. Plenty of other anime. Um, so, yeah, in that case, we'll, we'll see you guys next time um, to talk about our next anime escapade. Um, we do want to give a special shout out to Super Nude Ensemble for the jingle that you hear at the beginning and end of this podcast. Um, but until next time, stay safe, stay, stay healthy, healthy, stay, stay weeb. weeb. <laughs>